Hello and welcome to episode number 431 of Smart Podcast Trashy Books. I'm Sarah Wendell. With me is Amanda, and we are back with more questions from our Patreon community. We have questions about books, about romance covers, about food. Of course, we're talking about food. And we have some strong opinions. I especially have strong opinions. And this, there is much silliness. Thank you again to the Patreon community for providing the very silly, much-needed, wonderful questions for this episode. I hope you have been enjoying these episodes as much as we have. And I want to send a special hello to Nicole and to her cats, Chloe and Molly. Hey, y'all. How you doing? This episode is brought to you by HelloFresh, America's number one meal kit. I am pretty thrilled to add HelloFresh to our weekly menu because the recipes are incredibly easy, everything is pre-portioned, and it adds something new to the meal schedule, which, as you probably know, can get a little redundant because we're all inside cooking at home all the time. HelloFresh offers low-calorie, vegetarian, and kid-friendly recipes, and 90% of their ingredients are sourced directly from growers, so everything is fresh and high quality. This week, we tried firecracker meatballs with roasted string beans and jasmine rice, and it was ridiculous how good it was. I really like that we put our 13-year-old in charge again because the instructions are so easy to follow and so clear. It helps him because he wants to learn to cook. And HelloFresh made the opportunity perfect for him and for us. We get to try new recipes that are easy to follow and delicious. He got to be in charge of cooking, and it was a perfect quarantine's evening activity. Go to HelloFresh.com slash TrashyBooks80 and use code TrashyBooks80 to get a total of $80 off across five boxes, including free shipping on your first box. That's TrashyBooks80 or HelloFresh.com slash TrashyBooks80 Get a total of $80 off across five boxes, including free shipping on your first box. Hello again, and thank you to our Patreon community. Thank you for making this episode so much fun. You are all creative and hilarious and thoughtful and silly, and we appreciate your questions so much. If you would like to be part of the Patreon community and perchance build another silly episode like this one, have a look at patreon.com slash smartbitches. Monthly pledges start at $1. Each pledge helps ensure that every episode receives a transcript and keeps the show going every week. Thank you to the Patreon community for making this and every episode so great. Wilbur agrees. This episode is also brought to you by Ritual, which is not your typical multivitamin. It is vegan-friendly, sugar-free, non-GMO, gluten-free, and allergen-free. It's also now available for women, men, and teens. Ritual vitamins are scientifically developed to help support different life stages, including their best-selling prenatal vitamins. Ritual is made traceable. You'll always know where the nutrients inside come from, thanks to Ritual's one-of-a-kind, visible supply chain. I like that they pay attention to specific details like making sure the product is vegan-friendly. They use vegan algal oil instead of fish oil, which is made using fermented microalgae and leaves minimal environmental contamination. Even the the capsules are transparent, so I can see inside them. Ritual multivitamins are also delivered to your door every month with free shipping always. I love that I can start, snooze, or cancel my subscription at any time. And if you don't love Ritual within the first month, they'll refund your first order. Daily changes can lead to big results, so start small today. Ritual is offering my listeners 10% off your first three months. Try it out. Satisfaction guaranteed. Go to ritual.com forward slash Sarah to start your ritual today. That's 10% off your first three months at ritual.com slash Sarah. At the end of this episode, I 
we'll have a terrible joke. And in the show notes, I'll have links to everything we talk about. But now, let's get started with part two of our silly Q&A featuring me and Amanda. Nice hair. It's, it's called pineappling. Wait, it has a name? Yeah, it's so... When you have curly hair. Oh, well, already you, you're speaking a language I don't I speak. Yeah. When you have curly oh. hair for like the curly girl method or whatever, just uh, they don't want you to sleep on your curls. So one so of the So do things, you hang upside down like a bat? I do. Awesome. <laughs> just what I wanted to know. So like some of the suggestions are like sleep on a satin pillowcase and get a a silk scarf and wrap it around your head. I would like, be I'm very not, hot if I'm not I had gonna a, do that. If I wrapped my hair, I would be very warm. So one of the suggestions is called pineappling, where you essentially gather all of your hair on top of your head, like the leaves of a pineapple. So the part you're laying on is the back part and not like all of the curls. Oh. I'm a pineapple. Looks very, very comfortable. <laughs> Which just means like this is my sleep hair and I haven't done anything with it since I woke up. Uh, I, I mean, approximately why sh- like seven hours ago. Why should you? And I also, before the stream, pre-ordered the ultimate Assassin's Creed edition. Because <gasps> I was like, you know what? Fuck it. I'm going to treat myself. You should. And- Get the ultimate pack, and so it's pre-ordered, and there is a countdown on my TV currently that's like, Assassin's Creed Valhalla is launching in like 10 hours and 50 minutes or whatever. Where did you order it? Did you order it through Steam? No, I got it, uh, see, I prefer playing those games on my PlayStation. Oh. So, uh, yeah, I have a PS4, so it's ready to go when the clock strikes midnight. That is awesome. I'm so excited. This is going to be like your whole Thanksgiving week, right? Yeah, this is all I'm going to do. All I'm going to do. And that's okay. I think that's brilliant. So, are you ready, ready for are you ready for round 2 of questions? Yes. Did you take a look? I sent these earlier cuz these are I did. these, I these did are a little look. bit more thoughtful. Let me go back to the document. But I do feel like some of these are going to um, create responses that for me will be, for, for my my responses will be heavily opinionated. Yeah, I have I mean, some I was, strong opinions about some of these. There are some that I'm like, ooh, I don't know how I'm going to answer that one. Um, but there are some that's like easy peas. Got yep. it. Yep. So our first question and again, I have work going on outside my window, so yep. my, the landscapers are guest starring in this episode. Hi, landscapers. Yeah, my, my backyard looks like something good. <laughs> Varian R., what is your favorite and least favorite type of romance book cover? And I have asked some of the people who ask these questions in the thread yep. on Patreon to answer. Of course, I'm a bad podcaster, and <laughs> I left my phone on. Bad Total podcaster. professional. Podcasting professional here. I know. Totally forgot to turn off my phone. All right. Varian answered, My least fave is starting to become these historical romance covers where you can tell they do not want to be there. And I know exactly what <laughs> kind like of cover the, they're talking about. Like the position where, like, the lady is like, Oh, no. 
<laughs> and they look very serious. And I guess they're kind of going for adversarial, but mostly they just look really un- unhappy to be there. Yeah, yeah. I know exactly what kind of cover they're talking about. Um, I really don't have strong opinions on on covers. I mean, I do. We do see a lot of goofy ones for cover snark. Um, Doctor Nips. And like, I do the books on sale, so I look at a lot of weird covers that like are part of you know books on sale newsletters that I subscribe to. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't think a cover has ever deterred me from picking up a book. A cover has made me pick up a book but I've never looked at a cover and be like ooh I don't know about that Uh, yeah I've never had a cover make me go I'm not reading this I'm so mad because I also I I also know enough about how the sausage is made no pun intended yeah the cover is decided on by people who often have very little to do with the intricate development of the book inside of it The, the cover is marketing it has a different job than the book itself I know a lot of people have opinions on illustrated covers because uh, often it conveys like a lightness that might not be found in the cover or in the book. Yes. But um, as someone who works in a bookstore, I can tell you that the traditional clinch covers do not sell with people looking to pick up romances. People will buy romances that have cutesy illustrated covers, not photography covers with a hero and heroine embracing on them. Like those do not sell, at least in the independent bookstore I work at. Um, Do you know why that is? Is it because that image of romance is is outdated with that buying audience? That makes sense. I mean, I get it. I have tried to hand sell a Tessa Dare. With a clinch cover. Yeah, and someone's like, oh, I can't read this in public. They literally said that to my face. And I'm like, why not? Wow. And they're like, well, just look. I was like, nobody cares. That's a great book. She didn't buy it. She bought some other romances like uh, Evie Dunmore, Kate Claiborne, the illustrated. Yeah. The illustrated cover, cover overcomes a hurdle for the buyer yeah. who sees the, 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 the clinch image of people yeah. as outdated. And I know there are purists out there who are like anti-illustrated cover. Mm-hmm. But I'm of the – I know this is not the question that was asked, but uh, – I'm of the opinion that if it gets more people interested in romance and it gets like the foot into the the foot in the door, then they might consider picking up a romance that has a clinch cover. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's less scary for whatever reason. But for me, YA kills it when it comes to good covers. Oh, their art their art direction and their artists are so talented. I love a shiny element. On a oh, it's we like a shine, that. like a foil or something? <laughs> yeah. yeah. You don't see that in romance, but I love a shiny element. Um, but romance covers, you know, I look at bad ones all the time. <laughs> we see a lot of those. People and email them to us by the bushel. <laughs> yeah. Sweet Carol. Oh, Carol. We love has you, Carol. Has a whole desktop folder of them, and she will send us, like, just a big old bushel of them at oh, one time. Lovely. Um, a bushel of peckers. And like, I also know that like the cover sometimes isn't really indicative of what you're going to get either. No. Cause we have people who look at cover snark and go find the books on Amazon. And they're oh. like, this actually sounds really good. Cover, and they'll snark? Buy it and it. Well, cover snark moves books. 
Yeah. Everything so. loves books. Every, every, this is a thing I wish I could just sit down and explain to authors. One, you and your book are not the same thing. And I know you're intimately connected with the book, but you and your book are not the same. And so if we give a, ne- a low grade, a negative grade, a negative comment to a book, yeah. A, it's not about you. It really isn't. It, these are yeah. very separate things for us. Number two, an F review will sell books. A D yes. review will sell books. An A review will sell books. They will sell books because I promise there is someone who's like, oh, I love all of those things one click by. It is the same in reverse as when you see somebody go, oh, this book had way too much sex in it. And like half of romance goes, I'm sorry, what was the title again? Could you spell that for me? So I will say one of my least favorite things on a cover is uh, inappropriate clothing for the setting that they are in. Oh, so like a historical and she's wearing like an 80s prom gown. Or like, stop being shirtless in the snow. <laughs> or fighting a fire. <laughs> it's like, you're going to get... You're going to die. If <laughs> fight on your nips or something. Like, get, put a shirt on. <laughs> put a shirt on. Why, I think it was featured in Cover Snook. There was a contemporary romance by Amy Andrews that was recently on sale. And the guy has like a flannel and a jacket and a comfy blanket. And I'm like, this is what I'm here for. <laughs> this Not guy is seasonally appropriate and brought me a blanket. Shirtless in the snow. Are you kidding me? <laughs> like no one's wearing gloves or a hat or a scarf. <laughs> Nothing. So, And I just have to think like, I don't know, like New England winters can get bad, but like Midwest winters. Oh, yeah. Those are both places where if you're dumb, the, the, the weather will kill you. I know Elise says she's got a car blanket mm-hmm. for when it gets yeah. super cold. Oh, yeah. So that's one thing that really like grinds my gears is like put a jacket on. I do not have specific things that I can point out as favorites. Like you, it's sort of like, oh, that that looks interesting. Oh, that's yeah. fine. But I see the cover is such a separate element from the book inside. Like I know what the cover is trying to do and I know it's different from what the book is trying to do. But I will say, I really hate shirtless Manchester. I hate Ripley, Ab, Naked Man covers. I really don't like them. They do nothing for me. I... Um, and I And I hate them for a number of reasons. One, strong opinion time. <laughs> I think that it fetishizes male anatomy in a way that is a disservice to humans in general. I look at that and I think, okay, I know what you have to do to maintain that physique and that does not leave enough time for you to do anything except work out, eat eggs, and not have a romance. Like the the amount of time you have to spend building that physique is substantial. Um, I don't like the accusation that romance gives people unrealistic emotional expectations. But I do think that the preponderance of extremely hypertrophied musculature and extremely thin women on the covers is unrealistic expectations. And it perv- and it and it perpetuates this idea that there's only a very certain visual standard that gets happiness. And I do not like the shirtless covers. So there is my strong opinion. On your soapbox. I will climb off my soapbox and shut the hell up now. Because it's just me. I mean, I know people who love a good shirtless cover and I'm just like, uh. But also like a shirtless cover won't necessarily keep you from reading the book either. Just like that's what we're doing. No, I like, oh look, there's another guy with his shirt open, but it's still tucked in because that's how we roll here. And then I just go to page one. And if I'm reading digitally, which most of the time I am, yeah. 
The you don't gal- even see the cover. I don't even see the cover. Sometimes the galley doesn't have a cover. Sometimes yeah. the cover is a tool for me to badly remember what the book is, and that's its job. I also, I will say, I love, and shirtless man covers don't bother me, but if said shirtless man has chest hair, oh. I do a double take, oh. because like that's not Good something point. We, we usually see, because usually they're smooth like a baby dolphin. <laughs> Just you know, slip slide right off of it. Yeah, um, they do often have a have a sheen to them. Yeah, and yeah. like, is it oil? Is it sweat? What is the slickness here? Um, but yeah, I I take more notice because it's not the norm. Yeah, I would love it if it like matched the inside where there is literally the hero is just a guy who never wears a shirt ever. <laughs> I'm sorry. I like am what you see is what you get. No shirt at any time. I'm allergic his, to clothing. He lost his shirts <laughs> in a horrible fire, <laughs> and he's on a quest for new shirts. That's why he's in the snow. He lost his shirt. He's lost his all of his shirts. <laughs> That's his tragic backstory. Is he like his, his bespoke shirts. He lost his shirt. His shirt allergy. It's like when I change Geralt's clothes in Witcher. I take off his shirt. It's like whoa. Damn. <laughs> Just run around and fight demons like that. Why don't you? All right. Ashton T would like to know what rom-com would you most want your life to be like or what and what non-rom-com movie, action, horror, etc. would you like to see redone with romantic elements? Ashton's suggestions are she's the man for the rom-com because you've got to love the 2000s so it, that's a very good movie i enjoy it that's a good one and any sci-fi movie where there, there could be more romance especially serenity or firefly and would also like to point out that there are no noses <laughs> on their smileys <laughs> um so my favorite rom-com of all time though i would not want my life to be like this uh, is She's All That with Rachel Lee Cook and Freddie Prince Jr. I love that movie. That movie, I can quote that. The movie's so good. R.I.P. Paul Walker, who's in there. Um, none of them look like high schoolers no, at all. No. What kind of high school is this? There's a weird dance number in the middle of prom. With, with Usher. Usher. DJing. <laughs> like they and, all, all, all of the school learned this dance and then performs it. For, it's so weird. And it has the classic takes her glasses off, walks down the stairs in a tight red dress. And though she does fall because she doesn't have her glasses on. Mm-hmm. So yeah, um, that is my favorite rom-com. But if I could pick what I would want mine to be like, I thought about this and I'm like, let's go full bonkers. Oh, I love when you go full bonkers. <laughs> you are making bonkers. good choices. And pick Enchanted with Amy Adams and Patrick <laughs> Oh, what a good choice. Some man from a storybook just bursts into my life. He can see and commune with like little cartoon birds. Uh, Every day for him is a musical. Um, That's what I would pick. I once made a list of my favorite rom-coms. And then I realized that I have a late 80s collection a mid '90s collection and then a 2000s collection. Well, there's they're like they're little clusters, right? Yes, they are. So I love the movie Roxanne with okay. Daryl Hannah and Steve Martin, and it's okay. a Cyrano de Bergerac re- retelling. 
Um, Shelley Duvall is in it. It okay. is so cute and adorable. And the thing I like the most about it is that Daryl Hannah has moved to this small town in the Northwest um, because she's an astrologer. Astronomer? Astrolog- no. Astronomer. Gosh, Sarah. Astronomer. Astronomer stars astrology is the Horoscopes. I always cross those in my brain. Thank you. Okay. She is astronomer and she has potentially discovered a comet, but she has to find it and document it and can't tell anyone. So she's a little secretive. And she has this big ass telescope that she has to carry up to the widow's <laughs> walk. And so, of course, Steve Martin's character helps him. But you might have seen the pictures. It's the one where Steve Martin has the really big nose. Yeah, it's the Cyrano de Bergerac. Recently. Exactly. And he is very funny in that whole thing about his nose. Like he gets really pissed off, but then learns to accept himself because she likes him. It's so charming. I love that one. I would be okay with that one. What movie would you want to be redone with romantic elements? I don't know if there's one I'd want to be. So the old guard, I loved, I loved. Um, There's not though in explicitly stated romance like the main character i can't remember her name uh it's like i think it starts with an a andy andy i think that's what it was um charlie's theron it is alluded that she's had like relationships with other people um but i would have she kicks such ass i would have liked to see some smooching in that movie while she's kicking ass so i think that's that's a good choice yeah. That's what I would pick, I think. I can find the romantic elements in anything. Like, there are shows that I only watch because I, I know that there's going to be, like, smooching. I would rather, but, like, I like overtly romantic elements. Like, do not be vague with me. <laughs> Just, like, beat me over the head with it. Bam, like, bam, that's bam. what. I can't. Yeah. I don't watch that much action or horror, so I don't really have an answer because there there isn't much that I that I watch that I know where where I, I there isn't much that I watch where there's no element at all. Like even um, so in terms of horror, I ooh. watched the movie Ready or Not, which was so good, um, and my like romantic brain envisioned like a different ending i don't want to spoil it for anyone um i don't think i can answer this one there could have been like a really sweet romantic ending Mm. i think to the movie but the way it ended was lovely too like i don't have any complaints about the movie it was a lot of fun but there is like this really tender scene um I'm like, oh, that would have been sweet. Um, so that's another one. Ooh. But like I said, both both the old guard and ready or not were good. I don't feel like it was missing anything. But no, but you know, more more smooching improves things. More smooching all the time. I I get it. I mean, good thing yeah. we work in romance. <laughs> Jacqueline S wants to know what romance trope do you think is underrated and why. Jacqueline's answer for this question was, there's only one bed is my forever and always favorite, but obviously it's popular for a reason. Underrated trope, letter writing, and or epistolary romance. Can confirm. Hard same. Sarah loves those. That is my favorite because it feeds into what is my overall favorite trope, which is when two characters 
become their honest, real, flawed selves with each other. And the reason that they do that is somehow put on a fast track. Like, we're fake dating and we have to pretend to know each other. Or there's um, writing letters and no one's going to see them but you. Or writing texts and no one's going to see them but the other person. Like, that is my absolute favorite. I love it. And I, I completely agree. Letter writing, epistolary romance, notes on post-it notes, text messages, what's, I don't care, WhatsApp, whatever. That's, that's my thing. What about you? So I feel like there's only one bed. That trope became like my fan fiction staple. (laughs) I would, I feel like I would only read fanfic that had, there's only one bed trope. Um, But I feel like the ones that I enjoy aren't underrated i love enemies to lovers uh Mm -hmm. but a lot of people like that i don't think it's like niche um so i don't know i don't think i have like an underrated one there are pretty common ones that i enjoy there are ones that i think are overrated really Uh, well like i've talked i think second chance romances and friends to lovers are boring Yes. They are like there's not enough for stakes for you. Whereas those are some of my favorites because it's who was I then and who am I now? But see, I think you like more is you like more um, sexual chemistry and some external conflict. Yes, I prefer external. Conflict. And while I like internal conflict, which makes sense. What? Yeah, in the spaces horny podcast episode we did, it was like I want a romance where it's like. If we bang, the world is going to implode. Like, that's, <laughs> that's the level of stakes I want. Like, you know, if we kiss, some weird prophecy will be fulfilled. And, you know, a black hole is going to open up and just rip apart the universe. We really cannot be together. It would be very bad. But I still have feelings in my pants. Yes. Yep, yeah. I got it. So I don't. And I also, I do love a pairing of, like, sunshiny one and grumpy one but i also feel like that's popular i don't think i have like an underrated one Mm. all right jacqueline has two more questions okay in the middle we have a food question okay we'll have a food question what strong opinions do you have about popular foods like pizza or baked potatoes pineapple or no barbecue sauce no cheese vegetables allowed what are your strong opinions about popular foods i will eat any and all pizza um, I am a human garbage can when it comes to <laughs> If there are toppings that I don't want, they're easily pick-offable. So a black olive is not going to get in the way of me getting my cheesy, carby, <laughs> delicious goodness. For some reason, pepperoni makes me ill. And even what? if it's cooked on the pizza and then removed... That will make me so sick. So I have pepperoni to. Pepperoni av- is my favorite. I have to avoid pepperoni. Meanwhile, we have like a five pound bag of pepperoni in our fridge because we put it on pizza it for Max and, oh, and the other kids. It. Yeah, we put it on the pizza for the kids. They're like little tiny, like grease cups. These are the ones that actually cup. Like they, when you cook them, they curve up like little Taylor pork rolls. The crispy edges and the little oh, yeah. like well of grease. Love it. And then baked potatoes. Do people have strong opinions about baked potatoes? I don't know. I'm an everything but the kitchen sink baked potato person. Like chives, sour cream, oh, cheese, yeah. bacon. Just I have put all that shit on there. I have come to terms with the fact that cruciferous vegetables and I do not get I don't along. know what the hell that means. So cruciferous <laughs> like a broccoli, Brussels sprouts, cauliflower. Okay. 
Now, I, one, of my, one of my favorite news zigs that I saw on the internet that I want to make into a cross-stitch for myself is, if cauliflower can become pizza, you can become anything. Like, that is a very hopeful statement, and I can handle a cauliflower pizza crust, but broccoli, it, it just tastes bitter and weird, and it makes me ill, and Brussels sprouts made me think I was going to die. Like, I could just I watch. favorite soup, Ugh. broccoli cheese soup. No, love I it. cannot. So... Speaking of cauliflower crust, one of uh, Stephanie's co-workers came over to trim Stephanie's hair. And Stephanie's like, oh, I'll get some, like, snacky things and I'll, like, feed you. And so Stephanie got, like, a cauliflower crust pizza Yummy. to, like, put in the oven. She goes to put it in the oven and discovers she just bought a cauliflower crust. <laughs> she just bought the crust. It was not a pizza. It oh, was just no. a crust. She's like, well, I don't know what to do with this. Did you walk so, in and be like, let me introduce you to cheese? <laughs> I wound up using it and putting a bunch of like cheese. On yeah, I was going to say, but, just put cheese all over it. Yeah. Um, when we make homemade but, pizza, I, I usually make a cauliflower crust because too much carbs plus Sarah is bad times. I love, I made this thing one time called like a cauliflower steak. Those are really good. You take a look ahead of cauliflower. Oh, and you make a big, thick curtain. Yeah. I've had roasted cauliflower. Cauliflower doesn't always taste bitter. Broccoli broccoli tastes like bitter metal to me. It's weird. I just have to accept this about myself. I mean, let's all be honest. Broccoli and Brussels sprouts sprouts smell like farts. They do. And my God, the gas they give me. I th- Brussels sprouts made me think I was dying. It's like fart in, fart out. It's just- <laughs> so I'm watching my abdomen swell up and I'm in pain. And I'm like, oh, my God, what's happening to me? I'm dying. Is it the Brussels sprouts? And then I looked. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Brussels sprouts will kill you. But I do like pineapple on pizza, which I know is divisive. I will have a barbecue pizza. Not my favorite, but I, I will still eat it. taco pizza. Ever have a good taco pizza? Oh, yeah. Oh, I've had, like, a, a Mexican pizza, but it's, like, that weird, like, it it was, like, a lunch that we would have at the cafeteria in high school. It was, like, the weird, like, oc- octagonal Mexican pizza. I feel yeah. like people know what I'm talking oh, about. Oh, yeah. It's totally a school food lunch. Yeah. But, totally. like, I pretty much like. No, a taco pizza. Best taco pizza I've ever had was at a pizzeria in Morgantown, West Virginia, when I worked in a summer camp there, and we would go in and get the taco pizza, and it was regular pizza, cheese, um, some shredded cheddar, taco beef, spicy stuff, Love it. spicy Here stuff on it. top, vegetables, yep. more cheese, tomatoes, yep. and shredded lettuce, and some corn chips on top. Ooh, Crum- corn chips. Holy fuck. Fuck, was it good. And, you know, there's a lot of lettuce, so you could pretend that it was marginally healthy. It was well, so – oh, and I hot went, sauce all over it. Mm, I would visit my dad, no, the one who died over the summer. We would always get pizza from this place called Antonio's in, I think, Miramar, Florida. Um, we'd always get a pepperoni and onion. And my favorite pizza to this day is pepperoni and onion. And we'd also get a spinach pizza, which I thought was so good. It's like mm-hmm. a white pizza with spinach and like lots of cheese. It's really good. I do have a strong opinion. And okay. mostly this is also because these also make me very, very sick. No clams on pizza. 
no cleanse, no no muscles. I am allergic to bivalves. They will make me hella sick, but no clams on pizza. I don't eat seafood. I know. So this is fine. So we can go out and not have clams on pizza. That's fine. I I don't think like I'm a picky eater. Like I don't eat seafood um, because it's like a texture thing. Um, And, you know, there are certain, like I don't like olives, but I'm not going to gag if I have an, like if an olive sneaks in somewhere. Um, (laughs) Yeah, I'm pretty like flexible when it comes to pizza and potatoes. Like it's fine. I, yeah, you could, you know, put fucking motor oil on it and I'll give it a try. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I have a question from Cleo M. I have two questions from Cleo M. Okay. One, if you could describe your favorite romance trope as a drink, what would it be? Dark or and stormy. Dark and stormy? <laughs> yeah, you're right. And I would be a light and stormy. That was easy. Yeah. Or or I could be a, 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 a bee's knees. Which is some bathtub gin and honey syrup and lemon. Or if you could describe your favorite hero as a takeout dinner, what would they be? Nachos. Heroic nachos? Yeah. Crunchy. So nachos, crunchy. Nachos are my creamy, very favorite food. Cheesy, spicy. Yeah, I can see it. Layers. Layers. And you get like little pockets of like goodness. Yep. And like some some nacho bites. Some sometimes you get a chip and there's nothing on it, and yep. then sometimes you get a chip and it has everything on it. Yep. So nachos. That's a really good answer. Thank you. You're right. But you got to eat it all in one sitting because reheating nachos no, never goes. Well. It doesn't work. They're no longer crispy. It's no. just not going to work. You can't let them sit. If I could have my favorite hero as a takeout dinner, what would it be? I think I would have to answer pizza. Pizza? Pizza. Yeah. Why? Because you can you can put what cheesy. you want. Well, they're cheesy and you can put what you want on them. You can make them spicy, you can make them savory, you can make them briny, you can add pineapple. It's customizable. So my favorite hero would probably be pizza with prosciutto, olives, caramelized onions, feta, and So you want a you want a real doll for a hero as well. completely customizable no i just like them (laughs) salty and briny basically my favorite salty briny salty briny pizza no i like i like slightly grumpy heroes yeah and i also like well i like emotionally fluent heroes and um i like them slightly on the grumpy side like i like betas who are mellow and happy but i also like heroes that are like Leave me alone. I like a little misanthrope. So, but okay. that that fits Adam. Very kind, very thoughtful, very very intelligent. Really wants everyone to leave him the fuck alone. Okay, I can relate. All right, Carolyn H. Not sure if you've been asked this already, but if you're running from a burning building, what's the one book you have to grab? E-readers not included. I made a joke in my head, and I I was going to say my MacBook. carolyn's answer says carolyn says in the end i would grab shel silverstein where the sidewalk ends it's within reach on my bookshelf and was a favorite when my kids were younger now i don't have that many books in my house anymore because when we moved there were so many books where i'm like i own this digitally i'm not paying someone to move it across several straight lines that's just silly so all of my books fit in this little section in my closet like there's not that many um 
The book that I would grab that isn't a fiction book would probably be my wedding album or one of the kids' albums where I have baby yeah. pictures. But they were born in 2005 and 2007, so there were digital pictures. My wedding is 2000. I don't have as many digital images of that. So I might grab my wedding album because my dog is in it in a tux, too. I mean, that's very Aww. important. Yes, he was a seven-pound Maltese, and he wore a tux. He, would, he didn't come to the wedding. The wedding was on a boat. He, <laughs> he, he was home with a dog sitter. But a fiction book that I would grab. Gosh, that's I still don't have an answer. Like, I'm be like get as, up and look in the closet. Well, like as reviewers, books are not we a get commodity. A, we get a lot of books. Yeah. And so like forming an attachment to a book is hard. All right, I have an answer. Okay. I, I just stood up and looked in my closet to see what I've got in there. First of all, I have hard copies of all my own books, but I would not grab those. That's fine. I know they're out <laughs> in the world. They're good. No, I would grab my three-armed copy of uh, Castles in the Air by Christina Dodd. Oh. Because she's got three hands. If she, I, do you have any idea how much work I could get done if I had an extra arm? It'd be so <laughs> productive. I don't know if I would get extra work done with that arm, but... <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, I grabbed my three-arm copy of that one because, you know, it's out of print. It's harder to find. I don't know what I would get. I don't have, like, any rare books. Um, I do have a copy of The Phantom Tollbooth that oh. uh, I had signed by Norton by the author Norton Jester who came <gasps> to the BPL. He's, like, old as dirt. Um, so oh. I have a signed copy of The Phantom Tollbooth. Um, That's a good choice to grab. Yeah, I mean, like, the rest easily replaceable um yes yeah, why i'd grab my wedding album it's not easily replaceable yeah i have one book this goes back to the question from the first episode about what piece of clothing can't you throw away but you can't wear mm -hmm. so that very same boyfriend gifted me one of his favorite books which was a very short book called we we by yevni zamayatin which is a dystopian novel one of the first dystopian novels it was published in the 1920s russian author he was like exiled but he gifted me this copy and he like made all these notes and there's like stuff in like marginalia and wow. underlines and it was just like a such a personal lovely gift yeah uh, and i don't know like i still have it and it's like sentimental and no one's ever given me a similar gift before so maybe Aww. i would take that i don't know um but yeah most of my books whatever happened would, to that dude do you know where he is now so last i heard uh he was being a bit of like a nomad he doesn't he i think we talked last year he lives in his he's car. like i don't well, he's like, I don't like to stay still. So he's like, so I pretty much I move around and I travel and like live in other countries for like a few months mm -hmm. and whatever. But that was before COVID hit. So I don't know what he's doing wow. COVID wise. Um, but yeah, like we'll, he'll like pop back in, we'll talk and then he'll just like disappear. Um, so I have no clue what he's wow. doing now. Um, but yeah, I feel like my most of my books caught on fire it would probably be a blessing for me because then i get to start over <laughs> <laughs> all right elizabeth h wants to know two of my favorites one what's something small you have strong opinions about and two who fictional or real 
would you put on a postage stamp? What is something small that I have strong opinions about? All the things that I would put on a postage stamp are already on postage stamps, like Mr. Rogers, dragons. All right, Toothless the Dragon, I'd put him on a postage stamp. This is too, this might be too new for everyone, but Alex Trebek. Oh, that's a good one. Although, you know, Canada might fight you over that one. Come on, Canada, do us a solid. Actually, you know what? We could do a special postage between the U.S. and Canada for mail just between the U.S. and Canada. Yeah. And have Alex Trebek on it. I think that'd be so cute. Yeah. I'd also like the like twee part of me. I would love, I'm sure they're out there, but like little stamps of like baked goods. Yeah. I'd love a little cake on a stamp. Little cupcakes, yeah. I I remember um, the stamps I got over the summer that Adam got at, at Union Station were scratch and sniff. Ooh. And they were like popsicles and candy, but you could scratch and sniff them. I was delighted to use them. They made me so happy. Those are adorable. Yeah. And then something small that I have opinions about. Well, we talked about my, my resistance to the words emails and boxed set, which doesn't yes. really matter in yeah. the entire universe. Like, what's something that's going to, like, pull my red handle really fast? I, I feel like I have little small things, but I they don't get triggered until, like, it happens. Hmm. This is a tough one because, like, okay. there's things that piss me off. What's yours? Okay. So I, I think I, I've gotten it. Um, so Boston, there's a lot of walking. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so you have to share the sidewalk. One thing I hate, hate is a group of people who will walk three yes. or four across. Don't go to Disneyland and get stuck between an eight wide stroller party. And I'm like, where do you want me to go? Could you like you fucking just, move? Yeah. Can you oh, yeah. Do a single file for like a hot fucking second, please. Mm-hmm. That bothers me. And they're just like chatting away. Like, I'm like, oh, my God. All right. Places to be. Here's something small that I have strong opinions about, but it's very personal to me. So Buzz, the dog who is anxious and takes a dose of Prozac for a, like 350 pound male, he is extremely reactive to other dogs. He is terrified of other dogs except his brother. It doesn't matter if that dog weighs two and a half pounds. He's he's terrified. Put your motherfucking dogs on motherfucking leashes unless you are in a motherfucking dog park. Put a leash on your fucking dog. I don't care if your yeah. dog is the slowest moving, most gentle, wonderful dog. I am glad that you have a great dog. My dog is convinced that he's going to kill my dog. Whatever your dog is, my dog thinks that it's going to die. And that is me with two dogs, two leashes, one panicking dog. The other dog's like, what's going on? Can I pee on it? And that's <laughs> harder for me. And I can't always put your motherfucking dog on a motherfucking leash. Please, thank you. That's the end. <laughs> that's fair. Yeah. All right, Jane wants to know, if you had to name an additional reindeer for Santa, what would it be? Scooter. (laughs) I thought about this one, and I'm like, I want... A reindeer named Scooter. One who is just goofy as fuck. (laughs) I don't know if you remember the meme where it's like all the the pack of wolves, and then you have Moon Moon, the like idiot wolves. Sort of like uh, derpy hooves in Friendship is Magic. I just want like... An idiot reindeer <laughs> with like such a goofy name, and you're like Vixen and Rudolph and come, and then it's like Scooter. Yeah, Scooter is bringing up the rear. I want one named Fivish, which is a Yiddish name. 
Five-ish. Do you sounds, remember? Sounds like a hobbit name to me. It does. Do you do you remember? Did you ever watch Picket Fences? And there was the, the no. there was okay. What else was there? There was a, there was a Yiddish theater actor who had a television career. His name was Fivish Finkel. But it's like a children's entertainer. I know, right? Um, <laughs> yeah, I would name it Fivish. One because it's Yiddish, and so therefore there'd be a little Hanukkah representation. And two, <laughs> Fivish would be like, "Where are you going? Why are you doing that? What what is that? No, that's not the way. Go. No, you're taking the wrong route. You're going to get stuck in traffic." Scooter is just happy to be here. Yep. I bet Scooter and Fivish <laughs> would get along. Scooter and Fivish. Scooter. That's so, a that's so a funny, sitcom way to have reindeer movie you never yep. knew you needed. <laughs> Carol M wants to know, if you were a Pomeranian, would you prefer to walk around on your own or be pushed around in a doggy carriage or rolling throne? Carriage. No, oh, hands down. Carriage. I'm I jealous of kids. I'm jealous of kids who are asleep in their strollers. I'm like, do you know what happens when you get older, kid? You have to walk. I one one of my biggest regrets in my life is just passing on all the naps that people were forcing me to take and, and fighting like, them. Yeah, I was like, I should have taken advantage of that nap time. <laughs> I wish I could nap. I'm probably gonna nap right after this. Good plan. Yeah. Scooters. Scooters all the way. All right. Kate H has two. Which do you prefer? Hocus Pocus or Nightmare Before Christmas? Hocus Pocus. Uh, Emma and I, my friend Emma and I, we were talking about this on a previous Twitch stream. And Emma loves The Nightmare Before Christmas. And we were talking about it. And I'm like, yeah, it's a good movie. But Sally's really the star of the show, and Jack's a fucking idiot yep. who ruins everything, and yep. everyone has to clean up his goddamn mess. Yep. Focus, focus. Come on. I- Bette Midler? Kathy Najimy? Come on. Focus, focus. Hocus focus, but I don't have strong feelings about either one. Like, I- people feel about Nightmare About Christmas the way they feel about, like, Disney. They get super into it. Like it's a whole. I mean, decorating. Nightmare Before Christmas is Disney, isn't right? It? But like you know, people who decorate hardcore yeah. can get really into the tchotchke industry surrounding Nightmare Before Christmas. I see a lot of Nightmare Before Christmas um, cross stitch patterns, stickers, yeah. that kind of thing. Yeah, and the musical number where they're at the Halloween party and yeah. they're so good. All right, Kate's other question: Why are Beta heroes amazing? Well, You're Amanda, the wrong Amanda does not like them. <laughs> I think that the answer is that there is a long history. Strong opinion time. Get ready. And this is my private soapbox. There is a long history of romance back in the day that fetishized men having feelings. The awakening of a feel in a man was considered something that was fetishized, in my opinion, in a lot of ways. And I don't think romance is really fully grappled with the way in which it can fetishize aspects of what I consider toxic masculinity. I see a lot of alpha heroes as insecure. And I see the idea that a feeling being threatening is not something I want to pair up romantically with. So I am not a fan of the character who is threatened by normal human emotion. I understand that normal human emotions are super fucking annoying. I get it. I got my own set. But the idea that the answer must be anger and destruction is is a total turnoff. And I think for me, beta heroes work because they are often emotionally fluent, comfortable in caretaking roles, comfortable in not asserting dominance. But I also find that intellectual curiosity and competence are a dominance of their own kind. So... 
interestingly enough, I think in terms of like heroes, what? I'm what? so I'm being so opinionated. It's not no, normal. I mean, that's, that's the point. Yeah, I know. Um, I would say Eric is like beta light. He's not like uber masculine and so like in my personal life sure but also like I don't know I feel like I have to I've been the caretaker Mm -hmm. of people and of myself that it feels uncomfortable having someone else take that role Maybe I should talk to my therapist about this next week. <laughs> I get it. I mean, Adam and I are both oldest children. We're both extremely independent and we're both really interested in just taking care of our shit and, you know, leave us alone. But we still negotiate taking care of each other. And we've been together for a really long ass time. Um, but we will still set terms of taking care of each other or calling each other on on their um, their bad habits or habits that are destructive. And the ways in which we negotiate caretaking come up a lot. I mean, if if one of us is sick, it's one thing. But like when the kids were little, we would say, okay, I'm primary on this kid, you're primary on that kid. So if there's a problem, and this is when they were like needing care all the time, if there was a problem, that would be the person who would answer that that problem. Um, At one point, Adam had some uh, minor surgery and he really doesn't like being taken care of. And Alex stood up and said, I'm primary on dad. Go to bed, dad. (laughs) I'm primary on dad. dad. And I was so charmed. I was so charmed because I was anticipating a royal battle. But you really can't argue when your kid is like, go to bed. And the kids have done that to me. They've both been like, all right, mom's tired. You guys can clean up Passover dinner. She's going to bed. Come on, mom. You're going to bed. And I'm like, I'm sorry. I'm being escorted upstairs. Got to go. Bye. You know how to use a dishwasher. You don't need me here. (laughs) So I think that's part of it. It's this sort of comfort with caretaking and also being able to caretake and not be threatened by things so easily. Yeah. But I also have very specific readings about alpha heroes that I see as emblematic of insecurity and not confidence. That's fair. Yeah. Tara C wants to know. If you were a mummy and some dumbass dug you up in 2020, what would be your creative curse that would leave your victims alive and suffering? Now, this is a hard question because enough has happened in 2020 that we're running out of things to curse people with. See, I would, my curse is like a very minor annoyance that is usually like the straw that breaks the camel's back when you're having a bad day. <laughs> um, this is why so I like, like you. <laughs> I, would, I would curse people. It's like, may your charging cords always be too short and never where you need them. Oh, damn. So like you're at an airport, your phone is dying. There is an outlet, but you can't reach, reach it. it. Nope. Or you're f- trying to find your phone charger. And it is and never maybe, where you need it. You may, maybe you left it in the car, or maybe it fell out of your purse, or maybe it's under oh your bed. Oh gosh! And that's all charging cords. So laptops, phones, e-readers. Yeah. You're, you're playing chicken with your battery life perpetually. Yeah, that is my curse. Wow, your witchcraft is next level. <laughs> when someone is a total jerk in traffic i always say i wish diarrhea upon you that's always that's always my go-to curse so if the bus is picking up my kids back in the day when they would go to school 
those beautiful days when they would leave the house <laughs> and do things and go to school. Um, it, you know, the buses have a little stop sign that pops off on the side yeah. and you're not supposed to pass a school bus yeah. and people will just oh, keep driving. Yeah. People drive through. I get irate and I will scream at them like, you motherfucker, I saw your terrible ass. I wish diarrhea upon you. Like I'm really loud when I yell. So everyone gets diarrhea. No, that- just that driver. I'm yelling okay. at that one particular No, I mean, car. for like the 2020 curse, everyone gets yeah. diarrhea. Nonstop diarrhea. But it's to the point okay. where the bus drivers will see them coming and be like, yes, diarrhea. <laughs> <laughs> no, they have second, cameras. Linus is requesting to be let out. Uh-huh. Linus, do you not like our podcasts? No, he just had a very long nap on his cat tree. I always say goodbye when he leaves my room. Aw. How is the cat tree? Is he enjoying it? Oh, he loves it. Yes, that's the best. Yeah. I don't know. Like, he gets all the way up on the top now. Can you see, again, Wilbur is on the cat mat. He's loving it. Actually, he's got, whoa, he's got a wool blanket and the quilted catnip mat. Oh, so he's warm and toasty. And baked. Doing good. So yeah, diarrhea no. nonstop. But your your charge cord curse is Linus <gasps> lords over me. So this was him this morning. <laughs> I look down upon you, human. And then I look down was, upon you some more, human. This was him sleeping. Oh, what an yeah. awesome gift! <laughs> so I'm happy he's using it. You're the best cat mom. Oh, thank you. All right, next question. Sujata, I hope I said that right. Maybe it's Sujata, wants to know, desert island book, what one book would you want if you were stuck on a desert island? And if that's too tough, let's say up to three. I always hate this question. Because it's difficult. Because reading tastes fluctuate. And reading, reading circumstances fluctuate, too. Yeah. Um I'd like to have at least one Christina Lauren book with me. Um, I hate this question. (laughs) One of my ultimate favorite books for a long time uh, was Battle Royale. But it's about kids being trapped on an island, killing each other. So sounds great. I don't I don't know if that's what I would want for my desert island reading. Um, maybe the blacksmith queen, something light and rompy and just bonkers. It's also extremely violent. Like there's decapitations in the first chapter. Yeah, but it's fun. Of course. It's like take decapitation and make it fun. I would probably pick the um, Crows trilogy because I would never get tired of rereading that and then looking at the different pieces of Norse mythology and looking at the the different ways in which the gods influence the characters and the, the different like squads per god, like how that works. I would never get tired of that. But I think this question is not made for me because I'm not a rereader. No, you're a mood reader and your tastes vary based on a lot of circumstance. Yeah. So it's not so that I'm, easy for you to be like, I want to read this one flavor for the rest of my life. Yeah. All right. That is our roundup of silly questions too. Electric Yay. Boogaloo. We did it. Are you reading any books that you want to mention? No. Okay, cool. I'm looking. I did. So I did pick up this book. First, based on the cover, and I'm very excited about it, 
Um, but it's called Where the Wild Ladies Are by um, Aoko Matsuda. And it's feminist reimaginings of Japanese myth and folklore. And um, I'll show you the cover. The cover is just like cute. I'm like, what the hell is this? And I looked it up and. Two words, employee discount. I know. Where is it? And then Sweet Kristen Dwyer. So this is the cover. I like the color palette. It's like a teal and like a... Coral letters, yeah. Yeah. And the letters are raised off the... But, and then Sweet Kristen Dwyer sent me a bound manuscript of the Soulmate Equation, (gasps) which is the upcoming Christina Lauren book that comes out in spring. So those are ones I'm excited about. Uh, But right now my brain is just Assassin's Creed. That's all I care about. I understand. There's a sizable part of my brain that's like, let's go play Witcher because, and, and like I've said this before, I think one of the appeals of a really well-written, immersive video game is that you're being told a story, but your choices are creating the story. You don't have to yeah. do all the visual building and all of the mental construction of the world. You're looking at it. Part of it is pre-written, but you are deciding. The and course the of inter it. the interactivity makes it feel like less like work. Yeah. And like sitting down and like trying to block everything else out so you can concentrate on like words on a page. Yes. And there's also the um, the part where you can do hard stuff like you can do a, a high level quest or the next piece of the of the story or the ne- like I know, oh, if I go do this, it's going to be like a lot of cutscenes. So I'll be watching and rather than making major decisions. Whereas if I just, you know, go beat up these three guys, it's like, go find these guys and beat them up. It's pretty low level. And maybe if they're knocked out, they'll have a chicken or ham sandwich and I can loot it because that's really all I'm here for is the the sandwich looting. You can like choose. You can choose your level of mental engagement inside the game as well, but you're still in that same story. Yeah. Yeah. I get it. What are you reading, Sarah? Anything? I'm actually looking at my list of things that are on my on my Kindle right now. There is a book coming out in April 2021 that you will probably hear about from Aaron. It is called Dial A for Aunties by Jesse yes, Q. Sutanto. We were talking about it at the bookstore. It sounds really cute. Aaron told me it made her laugh until she cried. She's like, I could not have enjoyed this book. It was, it came at the perfect time. So I have an advanced copy of that and I'm really excited about it um, because I could use a book where I, you know, laugh till I cry. And I'm also reading through the Penrick novellas by Lois McMaster Bujold. The thing I love about them is that they're not very long. Her writing is very beautiful. The descriptions are gorgeous. It's that sort of soft-shoed, doublet-wearing medieval fantasy world. Um, But as Penric ages, he basically, he has a demon inside of him and he makes friends with the demon and it has many different personalities because as the demon has been attached to people, it absorbs pieces of their personality. So there's like 13 people present inside Desdemona and then there's Penric. Penric is determined to be decent and he is in a world that is not always going to be decent or kind and even there are moments where Desdemona is like, what the hell is wrong with you being nice? Would you just stop? My God, I'm a demon of chaos. Can I just destroy some shit, please? But Penric's determination to be decent is very reassuring. And I like that part a lot. So that's what I'm I'm working my way slowly through the Penric novellas. How many are there? There's quite a bit, aren't there? I think there's there? like nine or ten now. Yeah. 
And there's a new one out just now that um, Catherine Halloway's read. Yeah, I was going to say, Catherine usually mentions them. Yes. In, in Slack. Yes. And that brings us to the end of this week's episode. Thank you again to everyone in our Patreon community for sending in such interesting, thoughtful questions. What small things do you have strong opinions about? What covers are your favorites? What things do you want to tell us? We want to hear from you. We love hearing from you. You can email us at sbjpodcast at gmail.com or you can email me at Sarah, S-A-R-A-H, at smartbitchestrashybooks.com. They both go to the same place. I love hearing from you and I love when you send me bad jokes. Speaking of... I have a bad joke. This week's bad joke comes from Tess. It is awesome. It was perfect for Halloween, but it's a little late. So if you, like me, are still munching on Halloween candy because it was on sale and why not, this will go with your Halloween candy. All of the Reese's Cups are gone from my assortment, by the way. I ate them first. What is the secret to the vampire diet? Give up. What's the secret to the vampire diet? Eat next to nothing. So silly. I love it. Eat next to nothing. (laughs) Thank you, Tess. If you want to send me a bad joke, I love them so much. You can please send them to me because everyone enjoys them. And then I tell everyone on the podcast audience. And then you tell lots of people and the world is a slightly better place. On behalf of Amanda and the cat who keeps opening the door to my office, which is squeaky, we wish you the very best of reading. Have a wonderful weekend and we will see you back here next week. Smart Podcast Trashy Books is part of the Frolic Podcast Network. You can find outstanding podcasts to listen to at frolic.media slash podcasts. <laughs>